Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. It's good to have you guys today. If you are a visitor, welcome. Uh, we call ourselves a family, so it's, it's good to have you guys <clears throat> with us today. We've been working through some foundational things um, that are near and dear to the heart of this house, to our family that we call Reliance. And I told you, every, every faith gathering and, and church out there, they've got things that are near and dear to their hearts. Uh, but there are some things that we put as highest importance uh, for us um, that we want to grab hold of. And we want you, if, if this is where you're coming, we want you to grab hold of as well. And so we've, we've worked through three weeks of them. We've got three more weeks where we've gone through the presence of Jesus. You'll, you'll hear us preach on that more than any other thing of what does it look like to draw into the presence of Jesus? He, he's the one we're fixing our eyes on. He's the one that we want. Um, the second thing is having a kingdom mindset. And so what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God with a kingdom mindset, a kingdom heart? We talk about that a lot. Uh, last uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about identity. So we, we've got presence of Jesus, kingdom mindset, identity, uh, specifically around this idea of sonship, that we've been adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters. And he calls it sonship. That we're not servants, the law was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, as a son, has given us his spirit of sonship. Amen, church? And then <clears throat> all of those things um, really come from Three things that we press into that have created a rhythm then in our life to help us to draw into his presence, help us to have a kingdom mindset, help us to understand our identity. We've given ourselves over to, we really press into in a rhythm in our life that you hear us say all the time is that we've given ourselves over to worship the word and prayer. That everything that we do flows out of worship, word, and prayer because it's built on relationship. And that's our desire. Not religious experiences, but relationship with Jesus. And so out of those three things, that's where we can develop the foundations that we've been teaching on. And last week, we talked about worship, and Matt, uh, Pastor Matt crushed it, didn't he? He did an awesome job talking about the heart of worship, uh, uh, talked about the Samaritan woman uh, at the well, and how Jesus came to Samaria to encounter her. And that she would actually be the first missionary in Samaria. Because she, in that moment, felt like she wasn't worthy. There was no worship music that was being played. There was no building. There was no brick and mortar. There was no temple. None of those things happened. Yet Jesus spoke to her heart and she ran off. I was bawling like a baby, by the way. She ran off and she was filled with the love of Jesus. And her life became worship. Her life, not just a few times here, her life became a heart of worship. And that's why Jesus said, there's coming a time. It's not gonna be temples, it's not gonna be buildings, it's not gonna be song, it's going to be heart and mind, spirit and truth. And so Matt did an awesome job on worship. If you missed that, you can listen to that. And today we're gonna talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's the word of God, Amen. So worship words. So we're going to dig in. There's so much that I want to talk about today, um, uh, but we can only scratch the surface and we'll jump in more down the road on, 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 on deeper things. But we're going to talk about why it's important, a little bit of practical uh, with it. Um, 
And, and to be honest with you, I believe that you know, 2020, we felt, uh, we felt the tension. We call it purged or pruning. You heard it say a thousand times. 2020 was kind of pruning. I, I, I'm so grateful for 2020 pruning the church purging the church. And I believe that 2021 is going to have similar effects. It's not everything's going to be just fine and dandy as we've seen. And, and yet in the middle of that tension of 2020, 2021, we have set our eyes firmly on Jesus. And that's why I'm grateful for the word of God, because that's where we found our source of hope and our source of strength. Amen. And so I don't know if you grew up or remember as a kid, you remember that song as a kid, the B-I-B-L-E, Yes, that's the book for me. I the B I V L E. How many of you are new to church and that was just weirded you out right there? Anybody? <laughs> we used to have weird songs like that. We'd sing like, you remember the I'm a C, I'm a C H, I'm a C H R. Okay, so those were like for you. You'll never come back. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, we had these songs that we, we, we would sing as kids and the whole point of the songs was that it was supposed to root something deep in our life that the Bible was a big deal. That, that the word of God had, had power. And so as kids, we would sing these songs as a reminder. So you still remember it into your adulthood. You, you'd sing these songs as a reminder that the word of God was powerful. How many Amy Grant fans out there? Thy word is a... You're aging yourself, and I hear a lot of women, by the way, guys, <laughs> into my path. See, like Amy Grant, she taught us the word of God is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And so we hear these songs, and all of a sudden we go back, and we're like, yeah, the word, man, that's it. The word is powerful. The word is it. And then over the last 20, 30 years, we've kind of seen this little pendulum swing where we've gotten away from the word of God as being the power of the church's life. And so why we have like our hearts set on worship, word, and prayer, really kind of Psalm 19 really speaks to that. Psalm 19, 105 is your word, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I heard a great teaching on this one time, and he says, when it says he's a lamp, his word is a lamp unto my feet, feet, that word feet can mean he's a lamp to my pace or my next three steps. That there's a lamp that's set in the word of God that's, that's, that's getting you prepared, not, not, not be, for 10 years down the road, but for the next three steps. Like he's sufficient for your next three steps. And so for, 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 for you and I, maybe some of us in this room, it's not so much like I know what my 10-year plan is, but I can tell you his word guides me in my next three steps. So for us, I'm not sure what 10 years holds down the road for, for this church. Is that, and I have no idea. I've got dreams and visions, but I'm going to submit those to the Lord. What I do know is that in the here and now, worship, word, and prayer is our next three steps. That's what I know. Then the second part of that is he says, he's a light unto your path. The next three steps, don't worry about your future. He's not letting you hang here. He's saying, I've got your next three steps. Don't worry, I'm lighting up your path. You'll know where to go, amen? And that's why we're passionate about the word of God and that's why worship, word, and prayer is in the here and now for us because the three steps that he's shown us is hang in, worship, word, and prayer. It'll get, it'll get you to my heart. And so we've got this trend 
Unfortunately, as I said, with that swing, that pendulum swing over the last years where Christians and many churches even have tried to unhitch their wagons from the whole of Scripture. I want to say that again. We've tried to unhitch our wagons from the whole of Scripture. And I just want you to know that we don't believe in a half gospel. We believe in the whole gospel. Amen. And I'll tell you why that's important today, church. The gospel, we've said this many times, the gospel, we, we, we've used this quote, the gospel to your flesh. <laughs> it should be. We, we, we've used this quote, the gospel is offensive, don't be offended, right? There's something about the gospel that, that it should offend the worldly senses inside of you, and it should rub against your lifestyle. When you leave on a Sunday morning, yes, we want you to be encouraged. Yes, we want you to go, man, I can take the world on. But there should be something, if you're like me, who's got sin in my life, that when I read something, it rubs against what I really want. It kind of comes against my flesh. It wars in my heart just a little bit. And so our challenge is that we're not trying to change Scripture. We're not trying to move Scripture or dull it down but we want the whole of Scripture to change, transform us, cut us deep. Amen? And that's where we're at. And so I don't think so much that we don't want to read the Bible or really dive into Scripture. You know, the number one thing that I hear, uh, past over 20 years, number one thing that I hear from people, like what, what's your, in your Christian life, what's the thing you struggle with the most? Number one is reading the Word in prayer. Well, that's two out of our three, all right? Reading as it is a lack of prayer. And I don't think it's so much a lack of desire, maybe, as it is a lack of priorities. Like, I've been thinking about this a lot, like what we value, we put our priorities into, and, and uh, I've got four, four kids, two, my two oldest have phones now. And uh, uh, the more that I've realized giving them a phone is like the mark of the beast, you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, giving them a phone, like it takes their attention and their affections. But, but then also I'm reflective in my own life and I'm like, am I like that? And they're like, yes, you are. I remember uh, a few years ago and I, I kind of looked this back up again, just research what it is as Americans that we give ourselves over to. And one of the number one things that we give ourselves over to is our phones. L listen to these statistics here. 95% uh, of Americans own a phone. Over 70% plus find themselves checking their phones for messages, alerts, and calls even when they don't hear their phones ringing or vibrating. Like we think we're top stuff, like somebody's probably calling me right now. Nope, nope, nobody's calling me. <laughs> right? Like we, we, we're constantly pull, nope, still nobody. <laughs> there's, there's something that, that, and I've shared this before, that they even, they even call it a syndrome, the phantom vibration syndrome. You guys remember talking about that? where you think you're buzzing, but you're not. Because your body's so conditioned to feeling that buzz, your leg's just doing things without your phone. <laughs> it's weird. And, and we think that somehow, like, that's healthy. It says many cell phone owners sleep with their phones next to their bed because they wanna make sure they don't miss calls, text messages, and updates during the night. Most people, it says many sleep with, or cell phone owners describe their cell phone as something they can't imagine living without. 90% of smartphone owners have used their phones in one or more of the following ways in the past 30 days. Solve problems, 
find information to help them settle an argument. That one makes me laugh. Um, look up scores for sporting events, get up to date traffic information, et cetera, et cetera. It says this, the average person checks their phone 150 plus times a day. And he goes on, he says, what if we began to treat our Bibles, the word of God, the same way? Turn back to get it if we left it at home. What if we carried it everywhere? What if we turned back to get it if we left it at home? What if we checked it for messages throughout the day? What if the phantom vibrations became Holy Spirit vibrations in our spirit? Huh? Huh? Holy Spirit's shaking me. Got to get my word open. I think... Um, I think for many of us, it's what we give our priorities over to. There, there, there's a war over the word right now. And, and so many of us are finding our relationship with Jesus from what social media tells us about Jesus. So we've got the left telling us about Jesus. We've got the right telling us about Jesus. We've got middle people telling us about Jesus. And the reality is there's only one Jesus. But, but, but we're trying to learn about Jesus through social media. And so I'm telling you right now, church, these are things where we've got to decide that this war for the word is worth our time. And, and I know just an argument that's been used many times, there's an argument about scripture um, that it, it is, it is, you know, it's written by a bunch of men and it's fallible and, 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 and it's got, it's some, and, and when I mean who we are is clearly God's heart, I'm just gonna tell you who we are. And, and what I mean who we are is who we are as believers here, and, and maybe you've heard something different somewhere else. We believe that the word of God is breathed out of his mouth by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and I'm going to back it up with the word here, just so you know. Second, 2 Peter 1.20 says, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. These prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Or how about Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2. We thank God constantly that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You see, that's a big deal. Because if we don't see this as the word of God, we will change it. It will not rub us the wrong way because we'll just throw out the parts that we don't want. So we believe with authority that God breathed this word through the Holy Spirit into the hearts of men and they penned it. And I know there are different translations that we have in our Bibles. It's here and there, but in its original language and in the heart of it that we have in our Bibles, it's God's heart and his breath. It's authority. And it will, the important thing today is will transform your life. Now let me tell you the most important thing today as we talk about the word. The word will always point to Jesus. The word, um, this is really, 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 really important. The word is alive and it will always point to Jesus. If you're using the word to settle arguments and not pointing to Jesus, you're using it wrong. Two times in scripture, Jesus is called the word of God. John 1 is the one that we, we, we really rest on. To me, it's a pivotal one in, in, in scripture. John 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. 
I'll send the word, okay, through him. The, everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Look what he says, verse 14. The word became flesh. What? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the only one uh, the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth this is huge god word word out of god stepped down in flesh in the person of jesus christ the triune god isn't that a beautiful the word becomes flesh and you're going why because the word got off of the pages so that you and I would know the word is alive. It's not dead. It's not just a bunch of good things that somebody wrote down. So that you and I would know that the word brings us into intimacy with a person named Jesus Christ. Not just good theology, not just good doctrine, which I love, but the word brings us into relationship with a person named Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus, the word, into the world to engage with it. If scripture reading for you has become only about Bible study and it's not about the revelation of Jesus, you've missed it. Bible study without Jesus is for knowledge and knowledge only. And let me tell you what scripture says. If all you want is knowledge and not the revelation of Jesus, you're going to get puffed up with pride. And that's what the Pharisees did. They had knowledge, but they did not have the wisdom and the understanding that knowledge was supposed to lead them to the person of Jesus Christ. I said it before, I'll say it again. I love theology, I love doctrine. I think it's so important, but it should always bring us to the person of Jesus. Listen, these are the words that describe the living word of God. This is the Bible right here. Freedom, life, healing, health, fruitfulness, upholds, gives wisdom, power to create, cleanses, revives you, gives you peace, is food, is shelter, is a strong tower, and on and on and on. Who wants that in their life? Jesus knew the word, was, but my word will remain. Constantly pointed out, he even says this, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. And, and, and if we're not anchored to this, if this isn't a part of our foundation, it's like, yeah, yeah, words, the, we should preach the Bible. That should be important. If this isn't what we anchor to, something that we've talked about before, our kind of theme verse for reliance is Ephesians 4. And if we're not anchored to this, he tells us what will happen. He says in Ephesians 4 that he's given these leaders, these five leaders, this pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, and apostles. He's given them to equip his people for acts of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge and knowledge in the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Look what he says. Then, and only then, Will we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness, uh, craftiness of people in their deceptive scheming? Listen to this, church. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
If we're not anchored to this thing, we will get off. And we will be blown. And there's a lot of blowhards out there that are not teaching the heart of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, it, 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 from back in the day, in Jesus' time, there were people doing it. In Paul's time, there were people that were doing it. It's not, it's not gotten any different where all of a sudden everybody goes, no, I'm not teaching wrongly. Look, there's a lot of people that are going to preach something that isn't going to be tied to this, and it's going to try to blow you off course. Root yourself. Anchor yourself to the Word. It is truly your authority in your life that changes everything. There's something that uh, 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 Timothy, Paul tells to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, and he uses these words. He says, man, um, there's coming days that are going to be difficult. How many of you guys believe there are difficult days coming? <laughs> you guys think that we're over the hump? <laughs> Let's be Bible people, okay? Like there are difficult days that are coming and, and I told you a second ago, like, I think 2020 was like this purging force, healthy, good. I don't, you know, obviously terrible in terms of loss of life and difficulty and man, heart goes for all that. 2020 though, purged something, purged something so that in 2021, as like the days still get difficult, again, our eyes are rooted. Like, where is my sanctuary? Where is my strong tower? What am I clinging to? Where do I go for truth? Where do I go for hope? I can't go here. I can't go there. This is where I go. It's right here in the word of God. So, so Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, understand this, Timothy, in the last days there will be some difficult times. And he says people will be lovers of money, lovers of flesh, lovers of this, lovers of that, lovers of this. And he'll say they'll have a form of godliness, they'll have a form of godliness, but they will deny its power. In other words, he's telling him, Understand that this difficulty is coming is that these people that want to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of all these things, they will want some of the truth of the gospel, but not the whole truth of the gospel. Because if it rubs against their love for themselves, they're not going to like it. And if it rubs against their love for money, they're not going to like it. And if it rubs against their love for comfort, they're not going to like it. And so he says, Mark this, difficulty's coming. And I believe those days are upon us <clears throat> where what we will face in the day and age today, I believe is the word deception. M maybe more than we've ever faced before. And I, I know it's been around. But the word talks about it over and over and over and over again. Do not be deceived. James 1.16, do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Matthew 24, 24, false teachers, false messiahs, false prophets will appear. They will perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect or believers. And the only way that you and I are going to know is this deception or is this truth is if we know the word that is life and sets us free. And he tells us this in 2 Timothy 2, 3, Paul goes on. He says, look, there's going to be difficult days. Here's how you fight. Here's how you combat it. Here's how you come after it. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. 
while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Look what he, here's the key, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. Everybody say profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for uh, reproof, for correction, for correction, for correction. One more time. For correction and for training in righteousness. We are okay. We are okay with the teaching. We're okay with the encouragement. Are we okay with the correction? And training for righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Oh, he ain't done. And then he says in chapter four, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and teaching. For the time is coming. Listen, listen. Sound teaching, but people will not endure. They will not want sound teaching, but have itching ears so they will accumulate for themselves Teachers to suit their own passions. You're not going to teach what I want to hear? I'll find somebody that will teach what I want to hear. Look what he says. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That should be, that should be weight on us. There are a lot of myths about Jesus out there. I must say this, there are a lot of American-isms about Jesus out there that simply aren't true. Paul finishes this and he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. The faith of what? The faith of staying firmly rooted in your word. That was Paul's heart. He's like, I don't come with eloquence and speaking, I'm not entertaining, I'm not, I'm not doing any of these things Paul says, I come with one thing, the power of God in his word, the gospel message. This is it. Everything about our life. The word of God is our weapon. The word of God is our weapon and the source of our strength. Listen to me. You guys have weapons that sometimes, and myself included, that lay on our desk closed more than they're open. Like the word of God, John 18. You guys remember the story in John 18 where Jesus is praying in the garden. They're coming to arrest him. Peter's with him. You guys remember this? Judas is leading this you know, rabble of people to arrest Jesus and, 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 and Peter sees them coming and Jesus is standing there. You remember what Peter does? What's he do? Does he pray for Jesus? No, what's he do? He grabs his what? His shank, his knife, right? He grabs his knife and he lashes out and he cuts the dude's ear off. You guys remember that, right? And Jesus is like, what are you doing? I don't need your weapons. Eventually he'll take the ear and put it back on. Jesus says this though. They say, are you Jesus Christ? He says, I am he. What happens to the whole group of people surrounding him? They fall down. Peter, ripping out knives, cutting ears off. Jesus is speaking the word. Peter makes some guy lose an ear that Jesus will put back on. Jesus knocks everybody down with his word. Peter's bringing a knife to a word fight, man. And one of those brought life and the other one did not. 
And you and I, we're battling with knives and weapons when Jesus says the ultimate weapon that we have is the power of his word. We gotta stop bringing knives to word fights. We gotta start bringing the word that demolishes every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I love that story because when Jesus says that, everybody falls down. The word is our weapon. Hebrews calls it our sword. Hebrews 4.12. What I, what I love about the word being likened to a sword is literally Peter thinks it's a physical sword. Jesus speaks. It says in Revelation when he comes back that his words are like a sword coming out of his mouth. Look, look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's cutting between soul and spirit. It's trying to make sure that you and I are not soulish people, but we're spiritual people. Trying to cut out the things that are trying to drift us away from the Lord. And it says this. This is what the word does. And so it's cutting between those things so that, listen, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. If we believe that the word of God is our sword, then we cannot spend our days forgetting it. I'm just thinking about this time when they would go to war. They would armor up, have everything they needed for war. Can you imagine going to the front line and being like, oh, dang it, I forgot my sword again. <laughs> Do you live long? Will you live long? But yet every day we're like, I'm going to armor you know, up with this. And we forget the word of the Lord. Or, or maybe it's like this, man. Maybe we don't forget it. Maybe we... We're doling it down so much. How many of you guys going to war, go into the armory, and you look around for the dullest sword? Well, that one's too sharp for me, right? You're going to war. You don't go to war with a butter knife, amen? Yet we're going to dole the word down so that it's more palatable, so that we can handle it in our life, and then those that we give it to can handle it in their life. That's not what it was meant for. Amen? I'm excited. Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament. This guy was an absolute beast. This is the guy Moses wasn't able to take him to the promised land. Joshua goes in. Jericho falls. Every army that they went up against was bigger, two, three, four, five times bigger. Joshua was taking down every, arm, uh, 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 every army that came up against him. And you could say, well, he must have been a military strategist. Joshua must have been brilliant in military battles. Joshua must have been a great swordsman. That's what it was. Joshua could wield a sword better than anybody else. But that's not what the word says. The word does say that he was a great warrior, but the word says that his success did not come from his sword ability, nor did it say his success came because he was a great military strategist. But look what it does say his success come, came from. He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the, le to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Huh? Was it because he was a great military strategist? 
No, it's because he believed the word of the Lord and he kept it on his lips and his heart. Last thing. Paul has this prayer that he says in Colossians 1, 9 through 10 that I think is relevant for us today. Paul has a lot of prayers, but this one I think is, I don't know, it, it, like pulling on my heart today. Here's what he says. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, being strengthening in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glory and epic prayer, endurance and patience with joy. What an epic prayer. And if Paul's praying this for the Colossian believers, I'm praying this for the believers in this house. So how do we get here? How do we produce fruit in, in every good work? How do we walk in a manner of the Lord? Jesus tells us in John 15, when he talks about the vine and the branches, if you remain in me and my words, somebody say words, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. L listen to that. If my words remain, you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I believe there's an authority and a power of God that we're lacking because we don't know if we want to be fully invested in as Bible people. We don't know if we want to give ourselves over to this thing. We don't know that it's worth our full attention and our full time. we got busy lives. We're checking phantom vibrations in our pocket. And I'm saying that I believe that there's a power and authority that's coming over the body of Christ as we get the word centered back into our life. I don't believe Jesus to be a liar. I believe what he says. So just for you, as we close out, practically speaking, number one, have a secret place that you put parameters of time around where you're giving Jesus the first of your day. I'm a big, like I think, it, I think it's a morning thing. You can do it in the evening if you want. But I, I think when we talk about giving your time and your treasures and your talents to the Lord, I think with your treasures, you can always have more treasures. You work hard or take another job, there's more treasures. You can, you can always have more talents. You can learn to do more things if you want. We give God the first fruit of our time that He absolutely loves. And you find that secret place and you go into that, whatever that is, that might be your 6.30 in the morning, 6.30 to 7, you find it, you make that your time that you're not going to budge from, that you're not going to waver on, like this is my time with the Lord. And you put that time parameter, I'm, I'm going to meet with the Lord here, no interruptions. Number two, have a Bible. 
have a Bible. Listen, church, this is important. Have a Bible, and I'll tell you why. I'm all for like, yeah, I've got the Bible app on my phone and all those things, but there's something real about having the Bible in front of you where there's not distractions that come from it. My Bible, I brought my old one. I've got a new one, I've got my old one. This Bible, it's fallen, fallen apart. I've got it just marked up. There's stuff all over in the margins. Here's the thing, I've had this Bible for years, 15 years maybe. And it was falling apart and I told my wife, I said, I need you to re rebind this thing for me. And so she sent it to get bound. She goes, Aaron, it's gonna be like $80. I go, I don't care, it's my Bible. She's like, I'll just get you a new one. I go, it's my Bible. I'm not, I don't know where all the references in scripture are, but I know where certain things are added here because I remember seasons of my life of pouring out my heart to God when I felt crushed or, or, or my, my, my family was under attack. I remember saying, Ugh, I'm going to write this down, God. I'm going to hang on this promise right here. And I can flip there. I can remember it. I'm going to pass this on one day to my kids. There's something about having this thing. I, I left this in Guatemala on a missions trip. And I called every place in Guatemala. I said, I don't care what it costs. Send it back to me. I was about to fly back over. Okay? Have a Bible. Thirdly, real quick. Get a plan. Get a plan. Look, I'm all for when we do the thing where we're like, okay, devotion time. Right? I think there, sometimes the Lord can speak to your heart that way. I, I, I'm great with that. What happens though when you open up and it's lamentations? It's going to be a long 30 minutes. Or Song of Solomon. You're like, whoa, babe, you need to come read this with me. Get a plan. Get a plan. Read a psalm, read a Proverbs, read something in the New Testament. Read a psalm, read a Proverbs, read something in the Old Testament. Look, less can be more sometimes, amen? Let those words just kind of soak over you. Finally, lastly, journal. Journal. And you say, why? Why journal? Journal, because as you read, what you're going to do is you're not just going to study it for knowledge. You're going to study it to get to the heart of Jesus. And you're going to be reading through. I'll give you an example. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm reading Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, pay close attention to what you have heard, lest we drift away from it. So I'm just continuing on to read. And all of a sudden, the Lord goes, well, we'll go back to lest we drift away. And he checked my heart. He says, what does it mean to drift away, Aaron? I was like, I don't know. It just means like uh, uh, just to fade away from you. And he's like, no, think about the word drift. And all of a sudden, he begins to give me a picture of having a raft on the side of a shore and you don't realize you fall asleep and then one day you wake up or a few hours later you wake up and you've gotten so far away and he goes, Aaron, what are the things that are in your life you don't think are big deals but it's causing you to drift away from me? And man, I'm writing them down. I'm like, I didn't realize there were so many. Journal. Stop on phrases or words that your heart feels checked on. Look them up. Write them down. Whatever. Press into the heart of Jesus. All right, we got to stand up. I want to pray over you today. If you would just close your eyes and you would receive, just receive from the Lord today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts up this morning to receive your truth. Not half truth, not partial truth, but whole truth. I pray that we would be Bible men and women. I pray that the Word of God would become like that two-edged sword. God, just
just so sharp. God is dividing soul and spirit, the soulish things in our life from the spiritual things in our life. I pray, God, that what would be said of the men and women in this place is they love the Word of God. That success to them is not entertainment. That success to them is not performance. That success to them is to know the heart of Jesus that draws them in to the gospel. And the gospel draws them into the heart of Jesus. I pray, God, that we as a, a, a people, God, men and women in this place, that we would hunger and thirst for your word. I pray this, God, over this body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.